Hi guys, my name is Leroy Mark. And I'm Tammy Rasheen. And welcome to our first ever Business of Influence podcast brought to you by Star Lady Africa. Super excited. I'm really excited too, man. You know, we are constantly chatting, Tammy and I, about influencer spaces, about being an influencer and what we do with this business. And we thought we'd bring this conversation to you in your living rooms, wherever you're watching from, in the platform of a podcast. But let's go back two steps, Tammy. Sure. Right? So... When you're not being a sexy mom who's doing amazing things in the world, what do you do for a living? I am founder and managing director at Stala D Africa. Founder and managing director. Thank you very much. And I'm a lowly influencer. What I do is I look pretty for a living. And we work a lot together in the spaces, right? We deal a lot with brands. We deal a lot with the influencer spaces. And we really have had some hectic frustrations about this industry. And I think it's not just the, yeah, it's the frustrations. It's the challenges. Even the successes um, from all different parts of uh, stakeholders involved in the influencer industry and creator economy. So there really is just so much to talk about. There's so much to educate. Um, we get a lot of questions. So this is really why we're here. And it really is the most complicated of worlds, right? Because we are seeing the influencer space growing in leaps and bounds. Um, I'm even like risking it and saying that it might be the biggest marketing platform ever absolutely but there's not enough conversations happening i mean my biggest frustrations about working in the business has always been that you know the brands don't seem to be hearing the influences um the agencies don't seem to be hearing the influences and i'm sure you've got your frustrations from absolutely. an agency point of view absolutely there's plenty but just tell us a little bit about you and your background <laughs> so i'm a lawyer by trade and i left the industry many many years ago to get into the content creation space. And I think it was really primarily because I love the idea of being able to speak to an audience directly. Um, I found law to be a bit tiring in that way, yes. that you just seem to be sort of, you know, disconnected. But as I've gone along, I've really found that there's so much happening in this space and not enough people are talking about it. And every week when people like me and you meet and we have conversations, we don't seem to have a place to keep it or, absolutely and that's why we came along and decided and to do decided it. to start this and just for myself having the um, brand management and yeah. brand leadership background um, passion for strategy there needs to be a thought process involved in the influencer in the influencer space and in influencer campaigns so for me it's such a huge passion um to get this educational side out to to brands and influencers and you work with both sides so yes. you understand sort of the the the, the light and, and and dark of of both sides and i think it's so interesting that um with all the elements of how big influencer marketing it really has become. Yes. That um, we haven't had a conversation like this for a long time. So welcome. This is the first ever episode. To the business to, of influence. It is the business of influencing, influenzang. Uh, we're all doing it today. Um, it's going to be a wonderful season. We're bringing you interesting conversations every week, dropping every single Friday. So make sure you like, comment, subscribe, press the okay. notification button, share, um, to make sure you're part of the conversation. And of course, we'll have lots of guests coming through sharing their insights and really is a how-to guide according to us and the people in our circle about to make it in this industry and to figure it out. So I look forward to chatting with you um, about many, many things and many of those coming up just after this. You're listening to The Business of Influence, proudly brought to you by Style ID Africa, 
continent's leading influencer technology platform. Welcome back, guys, to the Business of Influence podcast brought to you by Starlady Africa with me, Lee Mark. And Tammy Rasheen. All right, so Tammy, this whole thing about the Business of Influence, right? Let's go back to the beginning. Now, when we started off with our Instagram and our MySpace pages showing our (laughs) ages, there was never a thought about an industry coming out of this. It was just a place where you kept your images and your pictures and you'd share with your friends. Or starting your blog. Or starting a blog. Um, and even those were new because it was like your dear diary, only everyone could watch it. I mean, I remember watching Sarah Jessica Parker in Sex in the City and she'd be like writing to herself on her MacBook, right? But what is an influencer? But I, I want to know specifically... Where does it fit in in the marketing matrix? You know, if I work in a business or own a brand or whatever, where does the influencer fall into the marketing space? So I think, um, well, firstly, what is an influencer? So influencers and influencing to me is being able to get a message across um, from your personal authentic self and how that message is perceived so who is listening who is viewing and it is about talking about a specific topic um in whatever field so that is that is how i have viewed (laughs) influencing and and influencer marketing or what is an influencer how that fits into the marketing mix is quite interesting because Initially, when influencer marketing or brands were starting out um, investing in influencer marketing, it was always seen as an add-on. Yeah, So, like a nice to have. Yeah, it was an add-on and let's carry on with our regular marketing, whatever um, that may be for a particular brand, and then we'll plug influencer marketing mm. in there. Funnily enough, COVID actually changed a lot yeah. of things and brands had to pivot very quickly I even love a- word, pivot, <laughs> pivot. <laughs> yeah, very quickly um even agencies had to pivot mm. very quickly so it was a case of now plugging influencer marketing into the marketing mix and um not just seeing it as an add-on yeah so if if we were to look at like a marketing director of Style ID Africa, right? And you're looking at whether or not you would need to use an influencer. Yes. Where, in what cases does influencer marketing even come into to the space? When does an influencer as an option even enter the room? I ask specifically because we know advertising and marketing to be the events, the ad on TV, the ad on radio, um, and and all of those above the line things. But we never thought about having someone who has like 5,000 followers talking to their audience about our brand and us paying them. So where does, where as a brand manager or marketing manager do you even start considering that maybe we should have an influencer within us? I think it's considered straight away almost Mm. now in 2023 it's like if you are not working with influencers what are you doing what are you doing (laughs) so it really fits into everything even utilizing influencers for store launches activations um plugging influencers into the pr aspect from a media perspective um so it really fits into the whole ecosystem uh, when it comes to to marketing and not just 
the add on. Mm. Um, so influencers can be plugged in at any stage, yeah. really. When did it become sort of the norm to to enter into? Um, you know, bring influencers on board. So here's what it looked like in my mind, right? Yes. So back in the day, you know, when your TV had a bum, <laughs> you'd go into TV and you'd watch your, your show. Correct. And then, you know, at minute eight or minute nine, you'd go off to an ad break. And then you'd watch the ad break and you'd watch the ad. And that's how you knew about anything. Yes. And then you'd come back and watch the show again. And then as an advertiser, you hoped that you'd made an impression to me Correct. in that 30 seconds or whatever it was. Now no one watches television, at least not live television. You know, we're getting it streaming, streaming you know, downloaded or whatever. Skipping ads. Skipping ads. And I think that's, in my mind, that's when we stopped needing to just look at above the line because we couldn't guarantee that people were seeing these things. Absolutely. Whereas with influencer marketing, you can almost quantify, right? You can share how many people have seen Absolutely. it, engagement, and, 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 and. But when do we then, you know, focus less on just uh, not only the above the line but including um, influencers when in the matrix did it start becoming a real part of marketing help me out here mm -hmm. for mm -hmm. a second because um it's very integrated yeah do you agree yes it's very integrated and even utilizing when it started off with celebrities. Yes. Okay. Oh, I like where we're going. <laughs> start off with celebrities and endorsements yeah. and sending product to celebrities and then getting the mentions and, and um, the celebrity endorsements for your brand. And that is how a lot of people perceive how the influencer career actually started off. Started off. Yes. And um, that, and then it's evolved since yeah. then into so many aspects so it really fits into an entire integrate entirely integrated approach i love that it's uh, when you speak about integration because in my mind as you were speaking the first thing i realized was we've actually had influencer marketing way before we had social media right because absolutely if if you look at like whoever you know celebrity x who's wearing something and then they the magazine would say they're wearing whatever. It even goes back centuries, yeah. to be uh, honest. You know, you, you buy because of what Britney was wearing or Christina was wearing, and that's where it starts off. I love, but I, I want to go back to what you're talking about, sort of about the tears, right? Yes. Because you said it's integrated, so it was happening with celebrities. But now there's sort of like a spectrum. Different tears, absolutely, um, which a lot of people in the industry actually don't know about. Okay. Um, Let's talk from a brand's perspective. Oh, I want to work with influencers. I need to work with influencers. I need to work with influencers. But they don't know where to start when it comes to um, the different tiers. So just from an educational point of view. Yeah, just for education-ish. <laughs> um, and also at Style ID, we kind of change it a bit. Okay. So there are industry standard tiers. And then um, we just break it up a little bit further. So your nano influencers are your 1,000 to 10,000 followers. Okay. And it doesn't matter which platform. platform. No. Okay. 1,000 to 10,000 followers. Your macro influencers, it's actually quite a vast range. So it's 10,000 followers to 100,000 followers. Okay. Whereas internally at Style ID, we actually split that into macro low macro. and macro high. Ah, okay. Because it's quite a vast... Um, 10,000 to 100,000 yeah. followers, that's 
That's massive. 90,000 know. difference. Exactly. Yeah. So we've got macro low, which is 10,000 to 50,000. And then macro high, which is 50,000 to 100,000. Then it goes into mid, um, which is your 100 to about 200,000 followers. And then you start getting into your macro and then celebrity. Yeah. yeah, because I mean, they have a big M next to theirs. Correct, correct. And just on that, so it's not that the higher the following of an influencer you work with, you're going to reach your KPIs and, um, and get the engagement that you need. Whereas it's the lower tier influencers that get you the engagement. Hmm. You, you're alluding to something that I recently found out about how even in those tiers, we're looking at how we use and utilize the people in those categories. Yes. Um, so, for instance, if you're dealing with like a celebrity, you would use them for a different purpose altogether. Absolutely. What are the purposes of those tiers? Okay. A lot to talk about. <laughs> a lot to talk about. Yes. So maybe what we'll do is yeah. we'll cut to ad break and when we come back, uh, Tammy will go deep into the tiers and how we use those resources of the influencers and their numbers. But please don't forget, like, comment, and subscribe. Also, let us know what you think about the division of numbers. I mean, is it making sense? Is it too low, too high? What if I have five followers and they really, really are loyal? All of that and more coming up. Whether you're an aspiring content creator or a bona fide influencer, join our community of over 40,000 registered creators to showcase your work Welcome back, guys. So in the last segment, uh, Tammy, you were chatting about how you have the tiers of influencers and um, what we utilize them for. And I thought it would be interesting for us to give it the time so we can chat about it properly. Absolutely. But also, you have a very interesting way of explaining how the different tiers work out. Yes. So maybe by way of example, let's say I'm a beauty influencer. Fine. Let's not say which we are I'm under, under categories. Okay. We have a beauty campaign at Style ID Africa. And now we need to use the resources of all these tiers. Okay. Right. So help me out starting off with the lowest tier and moving on. So what's key to understand across the board actually is that different tiers, and this is how we do it at Style ID, yeah. um, and how we educate brands. So different tiers of influencers should be used for different purposes. So let's start with your nano tier. Yes, so that's the lowest. Yes. That's your nano guys, small followings, have the highest, enga high, highest engagements. Um, their purpose is to educate. Okay. Okay. So whatever that may be from a briefing or product perspective from a brand, um, get your product for X amount at X store, educate on various aspects of the product and the brand are they are they more like the foot soldiers so yes. they give me all the info that Absolutely. i would need to get product let's say it's a shampoo from shelf to bathroom correct, correct. those are the foot soldiers we so we, we send out yes um they are educating on the product the price the promotion the store the location etc so that's education um then you bump up a notch to your macro guys yes okay so these are the guys who are from ten thousand to 90k 100k 100k followers broken up into micro low micro high um they the guys that are going to create a little bit more quality content um from an aspect of styling 
tutorials mm. um, fitting into their lifestyle. So how is that shampoo, for instance, um, how are they using that shampoo? Which is different because it's not about telling me about where to get it, how to get it, because you know that now from the nano-influencers. Yes. These guys are telling me about how to use it. The benefits. Um, and also slightly more aesthetically pleasing, yes. a bit more quality as far as the richness of the, of the content. All right. Mm. So that's where we would advise to slot the micro guys in. Then we bump it up a notch to your macro. Your macro influences are very aspirational. Okay. It's a case of when they publish content, oh, I want to use that, yeah. or um, I want to go there. Mm -hmm. So it's very aspirational content, but they will just publish, this is the brand, or this yeah. is the product, not styling it, not promoting the price or the location of where mm -hmm. to get it. It's it's a macro influencer just speaking on the brand in general, being aspirational. Yeah, it, it, it brings to mind um, for me when you see an ad, right, um, for like a big soda company, right? Yes. They don't say on the ad, this is where you buy can A. They just go, this is what our brand's about. Correct. Drinking it in the sun on a weekend, and this is how we do it, and leave it there. Yes. And sort of, so those, you know, your macros would be then the people who would come in and sort of slot into that narrative. Absolutely. And what we try and do, depending on the brief or the objective or the KPI of the campaign, is either focus on a specific tier okay. or have a hybrid approach. Okay. So utilizing, let's say, one macro influencer to speak about um, the brand in general, however many macros and however many nanos, but each has a purpose. Yeah. yeah. And that way it's, it's much better um, and easier to um, monitor the metrics. I like what you say about um, having the micros be about more with the brand, right? Because in my mind, I can see they might not necessarily be like the celebrity, yes. but they have like almost celebrity like level, yes. you know, and that they're really popular from the social media. Um, people know that they do many, many brands and they take their word for it. And maybe just before we get into our, our, our next point, I'm very interested in trying to understand then when you start a campaign, um, and you're looking at these influences. When you look at the top tier guys, yeah. and there's many of them in the same space, what for you then becomes a differentiator? Because as oh. you know, you know the, the 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 beauty space, for instance, is heavily saturated. There's many many people in that in that space. Fashion, beauty, fashion, very fitness, fitness. You know. <laughs> so when you're looking at those, because for me it's very interesting to see how certain brands would have like four or five of these macro influencers, yeah. but in different cycles. You yes. know, you have them like, you know, um, do you choose them because they as a brand have something coming up? I've been releasing a movie and releasing, you know. I think that's one of the things you and I were chatting about in terms of those categories are extremely saturated. There might not be a perfect answer to this, but I think it's a discussion that needs to be had because beauty um in all its t uh, categories skincare makeup fragrance etc and then fashion and the fitness what makes influencer or what gives influencer x 
the differentiating USP to influencer Y. What is that? Because there's so many influencers to choose from in these various categories. How how are the creators and influencers standing out? And what makes brand X or agencies such as Style ID choose that particular influencer to work with? So it's a much broader discussion. Um, but there needs to be, for us at Style ID and what we look out for is there needs to be some sort of brand affinity. Yeah. yeah. You know, and choosing an influencer that is not going to chop and change brands all the time, there has to be some sort of brand loyalty and brand affinity to that particular brand that they are promoting. Yeah, I, d I think across the board, I think yeah. even as a nano influencer, you're going to make sure that you're not becoming a classified, you know, yes. <laughs> fiction of the newspaper. But for me, I think when we come back on the other side of this, I want to chat about sort of how do you make sure that your real estate that's outside of your influencing influences what you do with your businesses, with the brands, that and more coming up just now. Amazing. The Business of Influence is brought to you by Style ID Africa, the continent's leading influencer technology platform. Welcome back to the Business of Influence podcast, brought to you by Style ID Africa with me, Lero Mark. And Tammy Rashid. I love doing that. It's like bouncing it <laughs> off over there. So we've been chatting all episode long about the business of influence and sort of the basics about this industry. Yes. But for me, one of the interesting things that I found about this um, industry as I got into it as an influencer was that it almost happened to me in a way because somewhere along the line, I got into traditional media. I was on radio and television for a while. Okay. And that's where my numbers really shot up, okay. right? But I'm noticing now that there's many people who are coming into the industry and getting quick following, right, because of certain things that they do, some sort of real estate that they have, okay. where you've got people who are on TikTok with challenges, you've got people who are doing the dances, yes. or you've got people who are on television or on radio and then doing like secondary influencing. So my question to you then, Tammy, is, is there a place for people who don't necessarily have that real estate outside of influencing? So I'm not an actor. I'm not um, an athlete. I'm not a musician. I'm just, you know, what you're calling gen alphas, you know, the youths. The extreme youths. <laughs> who are born into social media. And so they don't have the first mover advantage as part of their lives, but they want to grow and build their, their, their system. Is there a place for you? There's definitely a place. There's definitely a place. And especially for, let's just talk Gen Alpha. Yeah. That is, um, let's just call it your 10, 10 year olds. Okay. Uh, averaging all right, so like preteens, yeah, preteens, yeah. preteens, and that bracket falls into that. And they've grown up in and in their laps is social media yeah. and scrolling through TikTok, watching you know, just random content. Mm. And that content that they're watching doesn't have the backing of other real estate, yes. as you as you say. Um, so there's definitely a place for it. Um, Look, people's attention spans, you know, are less than, I don't know, five <laughs> seconds or something. Yeah. So you've got to grab straight away. And it doesn't necessarily have to be your influencer that has that TV background, radio background, entertainment background, comedy, etc. It's literally everyday people. Doing their thing. Doing their thing. And building that audience mm. on 
the most random types of content. You know, and I know we, we plan on chatting about it at some point in the future, but for me, TikTok is so interesting. Sorry, because, <laughs> because it seems like it's the, the place where you now get the real estate. So yes. where you used to have to be on television, and we're chatting with earlier on in the episode about how television from a viewing in real time point of view has become, you know, declining, you know, more streaming or Absolutely. downloading things. That TikTok seems to be the place now where if you make it big on TikTok, you can then syndicate your 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 stuff onto other platforms. Let's chat about authenticity. Okay. Because if I'm on TikTok and I'm doing a challenge and I'm dancing or cooking or whatever, then there's a lack of authenticity because I'm sort of doing the stuff that's trending. Like for me, for instance, I just don't do cooking content. I'm a good cook. I can make really good meals. Tell us a bit more about that. You know, when I started off in the industry. And you've been approached by um, brands. Um, And they say, you know, listen, you know, just do a quick, you know, how to make food with this. I just don't do it. Because I know it's something I don't care to be involved in. To me, that is authentic. Because you did not choose you did not work with that brand because true to your your authenticity it just didn't fit into yeah into you i don't even know the language of the of of how to cook as an influencer like i know this tastes nice you know i know put it in the oven and put it on high where you hear <laughs> where you hear content creators who are in the food space will talk about you know how you need to work the gluten out of the dough and you're like but where's the gluten coming from and i think for me that's why i'm very adverse to doing any food content i'm not against it completely but it's, it has to make sense but i and think that's where it one as an influencer needs to identify a niche to to a point People still have their passions. Um, for me, it's it's gym and training, and not that I have hundreds of thousands of followers. Coming but, soon, Tammy. Coming soon. But um, I'm not, or shouldn't, should I say? Or I'm not going to post me doing my squats and leg presses <laughs> because that's for me. That's not my niche. Mm. I would like to talk about entrepreneur entrepreneurship, thought leadership in business. Um, influencer marketing and then if I had to go and post my gym sessions or a brand saying to me eventually I'm going to get a brand deal and and uh, <laughs> they they want me to promote a specific brand um wouldn't make sense to me and, and I what think, I want to get across and I think that's when you start becoming the classifieds where they yeah. know we'll give you anything and you'll post it we exactly. know to give you any product and I think it. influencers need to really take that into consideration from an authenticity perspective and specifically for as a as a influencer marketing um agency and and platform we really look out for that um when it when we are uh, searching and discovering for influencers on our platform as well and how uh, how authentic they really are i think once you know what you're about you become very circumspect about jumping up and down but i think also the 
the the the temptation of the bag it's such a big thing and i think in somewhere in the season we need to talk about the temptation of the bag okay (laughs) because that is a big big issue why we take up some of the most ridiculous campaigns coming up after this we're chatting about how you make sure you don't offend with your campaigns when you are feeding yourself there and you are putting up content and you end up speaking things you shouldn't be saying or offending a big part of your audience so we chat about that after this Welcome back to the Business of Influence podcast with me, Lee Robar. And Tammy Rasheen. We're still chatting about the business of influence, all the highs and the lows that you can go through in the business. Remember to give us your feedback. You can like, comment, and subscribe. And of course, let us know what you think. And don't forget to turn on the notifications tab so that you can get an alert every time we post a brand new video. So, Tammy, last segment. We're chatting about real estate and what influencers need to become influencers and to have their outside life impact their influencer life. But let's chat about the sort of downside of that. Because if you think about businesses and brands as entities, right, who have uh, responsibilities, they need to have some sort of culture. What happens when you have an influencer who almost crosses that line? How much must... Um, you know, the brand or from a strategy point of view as agencies um, look after sort of some of the things that the influencers say on behalf of the brands? So one of the key things is to obviously mitigate this risk. And it's such a fine line because influencers are, well, you know, voicing their opinions on anything culturally brand specific Mm -hmm. whatever it may be and social media channels are there in an instant for influencers just to publish their thoughts Mm. um, or anyone to publish their thoughts and opinions so Saudi as an agency as well we need to make sure that we mitigate that risk for the brands and the businesses who are working with the influencers because we get asked um, or requested to vet the influencers and even go as far back as six to 12 months in terms of has there been any negative um, posts on the brand by the, so the influencer? So the influencer themselves, have they spoken on the brand Correct. before and expressed a negative sentiment about the brand? Correct. Yeah. Um, and what is that brand affinity mm-hmm. as well as any um, negative public exposure or scandals <laughs> so, oh, and this is on the influencer the themselves yes have they been in a fight have they been correct correct or said, called out for something said something culturally or ethically unacceptable right. mm-hmm. um so there's various ways and and avenues that we look at when it comes to the influencer from a cultural perspective um in terms of the brand affinity mm-hmm. and just any positive and or negative sentiment, the influencer themselves and related to the brand. I think influencers also need to remember that as a mouthpiece for the brand, you also need to almost immerse yourself in the world of the brand for a bit. You know, I'm just thinking about, you know, if you are a male and you're chatting about your views on women, um, if you are, you know, a member of the LGBTI community or not a member of the LGBTI community and you're expressing, you know, your sentiments that might not be popular, you want to err on the side of caution, you know, you want to... Absolutely. Rather than say it. Absolutely, absolutely. And, yeah, influencers really just need to take that into consideration. And I think anyone, actually... You know what's happening? Influencers. 
I had an experience where someone on a popular platform, I won't tell you what it is, um, and they were chatting around how they had received or went about getting their driver's license <laughs> by paying a little something, something to someone, someone. Right? Okay. <laughs> tell, and, us, <laughs> tell us more. <laughs> I mean, I'm almost saying nothing. But for me, it's also um, usually because we're speaking to cameras as influencers, we don't yeah. remember that we're speaking to real life people. Yes. And sometimes we admit to things or say things that are a little risky that might not even just have financial liability for the business that you're representing at the time, but can even have criminal liability. Absolutely. Absolutely. So there's a multitude of things that influencers need to take into consideration and even from a content perspective. So we've also had a, um, a situ, a little situ, (laughs) for instance, um, influencer X in fitness space, working on a particular brand and what is being published is very risque, risque, um, lingerie. (laughs) So it completely um, caught our eyeballs in terms of this is not posted about the brand, but it's not what that particular brand, because they're an ambassador for that brand. So it's not in line with those brands' values. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and again, what, what are you doing to represent that brand? Would Would you want, yeah, it's also part of the cancel culture, right? Where is this something that you could potentially have like a fallout with, with your followers? Absolutely. And then they'll call out the brand and say, brand X, is this what, you, do you know Leroy's doing this? You know, so it becomes quite delicate in that way. I just think that proofread <laughs> before you post, um and yeah really you know don't act so impulsively so just take into consideration what you are posting and why if you have to be into doing the diary doing the diary (laughs) when you come back wrap up this episode and let you know what you can look forward to in the rest of the season thank you Hey guys, welcome back. So it's been the first episode of the Business of Influence podcast with myself, Yurima. And Tammy Rasheen. And I hear that a lot over the next season. And we've really been chatting about our experiences in the influencer space and sharing some of our insights um, from what we've experienced, what we've seen happen, and some of our thoughts about what should really happen in this industry. Yeah. And I think in closing this uh, uh, first episode, for me, it's really about trying to get the brands and the influencers talking. There's a lot of miscommunication happening between us. We find that as influencers, we get very frustrated, Tammy, because campaign briefs come in and you find yourself fighting for your life and spending <laughs> money, and then you shoot content and then it's rejected. But what are you looking forward to seeing, sharing, experiencing in this in this season? And Maybe what are the big outcomes that you're hoping we'll get by the end of the season? Um, I, I want, the vision is talkability mm-hmm. and conversation. So we, you and I, have created a space to have these types of conversations mm-hmm. and to kind of clear up these miscommunications, educate, as we had mentioned at the beginning of this episode, and put forward the various challenges um, that the industry is facing 
but, but not necessarily just the challenges, but and and how the industry is exponentially growing. So there's so many avenues that we just want to portray to our ever-growing audience <laughs> and um, also looking forward to having the various guest speakers with um, their expertise as well so I think we've got a lot um, a lot that we're going to be publishing so I look forward to that there's a lot coming we want this to be a library for you to be able to go back yeah. on for learnings and teachings to come out of and we also want you to feel that you have contribution to this podcast so you can share your ideas, what you want us to chat about next, or, you know, suggestions on guests. But more than anything, it's an industry that's feeding me. This is how, yeah. when I left law 12 years ago, I never thought there'd be a year where I make bank and I'm able to feed myself and my future from this industry. So I'm hoping that I can share some of the insights that I've learned, sometimes through fire, <laughs> but so that we all get a piece of the pie. Absolutely. So it's been absolutely amazing having you. Uh, don't forget to like, comment, subscribe. And uh, what's your handle on the socials, Tam? Mine or Style ID? Your handles? <laughs> we don't get to Style ID now. Tammy Blend Machine. <laughs> at Style ID Africa, I'm at the Roebuck, and everywhere it matches, we'll see you next time. <laughs> the Business of Influence is a production of Style ID Africa. To learn more, visit www.styleid.co.za.